two, one. Hi, I'm your host, McKinney Marsden, and welcome to The Low. Um, just wanted to open up the show and let you guys know that I am a blogger, activist. We're all activists, actually, and this show is about um, understanding perspectives of the families of the incarcerated. So, Lulu, take us away. Thank you. Thank you. Um, my name is Lulu, and I am the wife of an incarcerated king. I have turned into a freedom fighter. <laughs> I'm an activist. I am just, you know, pretty much on the front line. Um, and so today, what we're going to be talking about is healing. And I want to make sure that, um, you know, we focus on some things that have come up in our community as it relates to um, the parchment uprising that happened about a year ago, actually tomorrow. Um, so we just want to give um, everyone a moment to take a moment of silence, read something that I put together, and hopefully, you know, we can can go from there in regards to the healing that's required in our communities. As we are upon the one year anniversary of the deadly parchment uprising in Mississippi, an ugly truth about our country's prison system that woke up many people to the cruel and unusual punishment that occurs in the belly of these beasts. The violations of Eighth Amendment rights of actual human beings, not animals. We ask that you bow your head for a moment of silence in honor of those five lives lost that night and the 91 other lost, 91 others lost in the Mississippi Department of Corrections between December 29, 2019 and today. We pay a special tribute to the family um, of the PLUS founder, Kent Assad, his young brother, Roosevelt Holloman, and cousin, Terrence Doddens, whose prison sentence turned into a death sentence. We pay tribute to those seven men killed in the deadly Lee riots in South Carolina, April 2018, the numerous deaths that have followed due to the continued negligence in South Carolina's prison practices. We remember the Tennessee prison riots of 1985, and we know that the purpose of their voices was to speak out towards unjust mandatory sentencing, lack of phones, poor food, and filthy conditions. We remember the uprising of Attica in 1971, where those incarcerated stood up in demand for better living conditions and basic human rights. We remember the 43 who died at the cost of greed in our country. We will know that there are we we will know that there are many who suffered loss in the negligence of our country's money cow, mass incarceration. We understand that our work, our voices, our efforts help bring meaning to their lives and so many others. What if the value of your entire existence was judged by the worst thing you've said or thought or the biggest mistake you've ever made? And let's not forget the color of your skin. 
I think it's fair enough to say that we have all fallen short of the glory, asking our country to extend its hand and have a little mercy in the wake of a prison industrial complex that was birthed with the abolition of slavery sounds more to me like the truth that sets us all free. Thank you. Thank you. That was beautiful. Yeah. Am I up next? Hello, this is the Lotus on Fire. Um, and we come today about healing. And for me, um, healing for me should be a part of prison rehabilitation. And I say that because um, what everyone has to realize and take into consideration that honestly, everyone that's locked up, incarcerated, has been victimized some shape, form, or fashion at one point in their life. Whether it was a victim of abuse, child neglect, poverty, sociological constructions growing up, um, these things create what we know as trauma, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. I call it junk. So we got all this trauma built up inside of us. If I say junk, you guys, junk equals trauma, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. So then we go off to prison, right? And for those who really don't know what trauma is, let me say this. Trauma is something that's of distress, deeply distressed or disturbing experience that you have had in your life and it sticks with you okay so then we go to jail you know and uh we already got this trauma this junk right with us we bring this junk to jail with us right and so once we get to jail and caught let me say incarceration within itself is traumatizing mm -hmm. especially when you get excessive time for the charge that they you know that you was charged with that that's traumatizing within itself Okay, and let me say this. I know that people um, have to pay for the crimes or the crimes they committed, right? But that kind of uh, intertwines into restorative justice that my co-host is going to touch bases on. So I'm not going to get too much into that, but don't miss this message about healing and how it relates to prison and prison reform. So when you get to prison, right, you're dealing with inhumane living conditions, um, medical neglect, um even death of their fellow inmates they have to deal with this and all these things really play a psychological effect on people on inmates and this is for the people in the free world free world as well uh with that being said i think incorporating a healing program will reduce the numbers in recidivism tremendously why i say that because I've come to understand, I did say understand, not understand, inner, understand that when going through healing and healing your trauma produces the best version of a person, they can grow from that. And I just feel like that, you know, if you operate in your best self, I call it your higher self, then you're going to maneuver through your life journey with ease and grace, much more aware of things, you know. And with that being said, I don't think that when someone goes through healing, I don't think they want to go back to their old ways because when they become aware of that change, you know, they don't want to go to the old way of thinking, the old way of doing things, the old crowds, the old whatever. They want to keep leveling up, keep growing inside and outside, right? right. So, and I'm not here 
I'm not here to try to save nobody. I don't think my co-hosts are here trying to save nobody. We ain't trying to save those. We ain't trying to fix nobody, right? But I am here to just give some tools, to present some tools, you know, that one can begin to understand their own journey and save your own self. Because we are all accountable for saving our own ass, right? Okay. So now some of y'all might be asking, well, where do I begin? How? Girl, what you talking about? Well, my motto is, I heard this somebody say this a long while ago, is to get the only way out is to go through. You can't go above it. You can't go under it. You can't go around it. You just got to go through it, right? So with that being said, also, you must feel it to heal it. That's another motto of mine. You must feel it to heal it. If you can't feel it, how are you going to heal it? So I'll leave you with these three takeaways. One, your past, the damage that is done, whether it was caused by you or someone else, revisit your past. Two, take time to process that emotion, whatever emotion that is that comes up while revisiting your past. Take the time to process that. Don't suppress it. Process it. And three, accept it. Accept it and forgive, whether it's that being forgiving yourself or forgiving someone else. And with that being said, um, I'm going to let my comrades have the floor. If you want to get more into dealing deep with healing, please follow my page, The Lotus on Fire. Um, and we can get into it. I'm bringing all new content January 2021. I sell also spiritual pieces. This is a couple of bracelets that I've made. I also wrap stones. And these are just spiritual pieces, you know, healing pieces that you can wear. Um, on your person, right? And I leave the floor to uh, Amira. Hey, everyone. I'm I'm Anita. Um, so my story and my connection to the low and having a loved one uh, incarcerated is that, well, I held someone down for about three and a half years. Was deeply in love with the fiance. And something sometimes things just don't have the fairy tale ending. I didn't get to be there. I will not be there when those doors open for him. Um, and that's okay. That's just how the story worked out for me. Um, sometimes a woman just isn't appreciated for the woman that she is by the man behind the, the wall. And that's what it is. And that's my truth. And a lot of women, unfortunately, have that truth as well. And I'm not saying all men behind the wall are like that because there are some great men behind those walls. I know that because some of my sisters have some of those great men behind those walls. Um, and I'm so blessed that they have them. Unfortunately, I was not blessed like that. And it took a lot for me as a woman to come to that conclusion, to come to that understanding and that realization. And sometimes, you know, it's hard as women to get to that point that, and I'm, and I'm not gonna cuss because I told my girl I wanna cuss. <laughs> Cause I wanna say that motherfucker right there, but I'm gonna go that route. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but, but it came to that conclusion that that's what he was. He was just, you know, he just wasn't the one for me. And he wasn't the man that deserved a woman like me that is able and capable of holding someone down behind the wall. So the thing is this, ladies, um, 
when you get to that point and you face the reality of the situation and you face the reality of your situation and you realize that, you know, you deserve much more and um, it's going to hurt. And it broke me all the way down. And it's okay to admit that, that damn shit happens. Stuff happens. Stuff, stuff happens, Lulu. I didn't say the bad word. <laughs> And uh, I told my girl it's going to be good. But stuff happens and it does hurt. And let's be real. You know, love sometimes just hurts that way sometimes. And the healing process is hard. And yeah. sometimes you don't know you don't know where to begin. You know what I'm saying? You really don't. And I didn't know where to begin at that point in my life um, this year. Um, right. I need, I need to hit my girl up because I do believe in those stones. I do believe stones and... Um, it does work. And actually, like, I didn't know where to start at. I didn't know where to begin. So, was... Amira, can I ask you, you know what I mean? I think you can ask me whatever you want. Sure. So I think like, you know, with us talking about healing, I think it's, you know, it's good that we, we have these stories that we've gone through and these things that we've experienced in our lives that put us in a position of trauma so that we recognize that we're broken and that we need to fix it and that there's a step and a phase for everyone. I think, you know, how this kind of correlates to us being um, loved ones of those who are incarcerated is that, you know, incarceration breaks everybody. Yeah. It's not just the person who's incarcerated. If you're a mother, if you're a sister, if you're a brother, if you're a girlfriend, if you're a wife, if you're a child, there has to be some type of healing that takes place. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, hindsight, you know, I wish people would think how their actions may or may not impact those who love and care for them so much. But that's just not the reality of where we are until we get into a mess. Right. So yeah. it's, it's, it's pretty much it puts us in a place where it's like we have to find we have to find a place of peace and solace. Like we have to find a way to heal from, from the pain that we have. And a lot of times, you know what they say, they say hurt people hurt people. So mm -hmm. if people who are um, in prison, rightfully so, um, have done things that have negatively impacted people, is it because that's their learned behavior? And being in prison, or being associated with someone who's incarcerated, how do you unlearn some of those toxic behaviors that put you in a place or in a mindset to take advantage of a person to, you know what I mean, um, right. who's only being good to you? Like, and, and if you're a person who's given so much of yourself, how do you then recognize, hey, this person is taking way more than they're giving and I need to, you know, like, pull back the reins and protect self and do that because this this is really important because you know the big stigma attached to being associated with someone who's incarcerated is that you're being taken advantage of right and someone's using you and it's all one-sided and it's you know it's this and it's that but there are certain people you know I mean who have 
I have a really great relationship, but then in the same token, you see people coming into those visiting rooms and I'm seeing the girlfriend one day and the next girlfriend the next day. Yeah. Or heck, even, you know, some days you see uh, one girlfriend beat the other girlfriend to the line. You know, you just never know the wife, the, the, the mother of that person's children, you know. So there's a lot of pain that's associated with incarceration. And I think for even for those who are incarcerated, they feel like they're at their lowest place. And I think so, that, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, I'm saying, you know, go ahead. But they feel like they're at their lowest place. And so they try to pinch and hold on to people who may um, be of assistance to them, knowing that, especially if you have a long time, you probably won't be here long. You know what I mean? It gets old. Yeah. I think that um, for women, women have to like pay attention and look for those red flags. You know, and I think that a lot of um, women sometimes, even maybe women, and I don't want to stereotype women who are with men who are incarcerated because that's one of the first things that happens that we stereotype women. But for whatever reason, some women just get into it. And there's some women that unfortunately get so much money taken from them, so much time robbed from them. You know, if anything, my time was robbed. You know, I had three and a half years, you know, robbed. And my daughter you know, emotionally robbed, you know, feelings were involved, you know, more than just me. And so I think women need to be aware, be more aware of what can happen. And again, not all men are like this. I just happened to get with the wrong one. And so, you know, um, women just need to be pay attention to the red flags. And as far as the men, you know, I can't speak for a man because I'm not a man. I'm not a man behind the wall, but, you know, if they come from a damaged situation or they've been, or they feel they're in a situation where this is all they need to do, you know, at some point I would hope that they grow as men, you know, that the growth becomes them and they realize like, this just cannot be the way of living, you know, regardless of their situation, regardless, regardless of how desperate they may feel the need for money or, you know, whatever. And that they develop the, the want to say, you know what, I'm not gonna take advantage of these women. Do I feel taken advantage of? I don't know. I honestly can't answer that. But um, some women are greatly taken advantage of, you know? And so there's so much healing on a man's part and on a woman's part after certain situations that occur, you know? And for me, my healing became, I had to question myself, you know, what did I, what red flags did I overlook, if any, or how do I heal from this? And how do I not, you know, um, I had already started becoming actively involved in, you know, uh, organizations to help other inmates. And so how do I not take my anger from this situation from him and stop, you know, fighting for the next, the next uh, brother behind the wall? You know, I, I was, I was broken. I was, I was hurt as fuck. And, how do I not take that anger and that pain? You know, so before I did, I got to that point, I had to start my healing process, which I looked towards um, learning about becoming a Muslim because it was so so peaceful to me. That religion is so peaceful to me. And so therefore, that was how my healing process started with a lot of just, you know, deep meditation and, you know, quiet time and stepping away from the world almost and working on myself so that I didn't take away my ability and my care and my heart to want to help other people because that easily could have happened, 
you know, and I easily want to be associated with some of the things that I'm associated with as far as helping, you know, others. So the healing process is different for everybody indeed. Okay. Let me ask you a question. You mentioned red flags. What kind of red flags did you notice? Hold on. Get off the bed right now. Oh Get off the bed. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, I think for me, the red flags were um, I was so used to him always being available to me time wise, you know, like just always on the phone. If I wanted to, if I called or wanted to call, he was always there. And at one moment, that time started disappearing. Well, because it started going to somebody else, you know. Um, money, like for me, I didn't necessarily, money wasn't an issue, but I know another other females have reached out to me and they were always, I guess they were always being asked to send money. And if that's all they're asking for and that's all you're doing, then that should be a red flag. You know, that wasn't my case, but that was their case, you know, where, and there wasn't, or if they're only calling, if they know your payday and that's the only day they're really calling you and around that day, then that should be a red flag. And unfortunately, some women get so involved in the situation and all this attention he's giving me that they overlook that, you know, um, for me, I don't know. I, I, everything seems so perfect, honestly. And I had to sit back and look at my, look at it, look at three and a half years and see what did I overlook and what did I miss? And some days I don't know. I don't know what I missed. I don't know what I overlooked. You know, it just seemed like it happened so quickly. The, the end, the spiraling down of the relationship. So, um, maybe other women at the end of the show will, will chime in and tell us what their red flags were. Maybe they can help with that answer, you know. Thank you for sharing, because I know how hard that is, you know, to yeah. give so much of your time. Money is one thing, but time is something that you cannot get back. Once it's given, yeah. it's, it's given. And as individuals, we got to be really specific about who we give our time to and what we're giving our time to, especially yeah. as mothers. And um, like with these situations, like you said, um, you mentioned a lot of scenarios that I've seen, all of us have probably seen, right? And, you know, it gets a little crazy. It gets a little messy. And there's no, there's no really, there's no blueprint to this. Mm -mm. on how to do it at all and you could literally do everything and still not get the respect that you deserve while yeah. doing it and, and that's, that's how i walked away feeling for everybody you know because you just don't know whether your person is incarcerated or not it as women you never really know what can be happening and you know prior to my marriage now i was in a relationship before where infidelity was very heavy within in that situation and you could do everything right and what I realized is that sometimes you just give your time to the wrong wrong person and mm -hmm. you have to learn that you can't give 1000% all the time you got to save yeah. that little percent even if it's one 
for yourself. Yeah. So that you don't get so wrapped up in being a title to somebody or, or you know, because we can get carried away being mom, being wife, being fiance, playing these roles for everybody else. And we put ourselves on the back burners. And then when our significant other may feel neglected for whatever reason, um, especially dealing with this situation where there is a literally an invisible wall that is preventing you from seeing what's going on and them from seeing what's going on. There's a barrier that nobody could really move. So I think that as you mentioned also, you know, we need else bigger than just love itself that keeps you motivated. So the fact that you continue to do this work and, and provide this service for other people that other prisoners is amazing. And maybe that was the reason why you were actually introduced to the relationship to begin with. Maybe it wasn't for you to be with that individual. Maybe it was for you to be able to help people in the future that aren't able to help themselves and be a light to them, you know? And you yeah. can't, sometimes I know it's hard because when your heart gets involved and it gets broken, mm -hmm. it, it becomes devastating. You know what I'm saying? Like, where did that happen? And it takes a whole lot for people to kind of pick themselves up and look, there's nobody that's going to be around to do it. It has to be you. Yeah. So it, it takes a lot. I, you made a good point. Healing, healing has to be you. And, you know, for the brothers behind the wall, I think so much we, that society expects for them to be these strong men and not that they're not strong men because you have to be a strong man man to be behind that wall and mm -hmm. sometimes we don't expect them to have to address their pain you know let's be real just like we're away from them they're away from us you know they're yeah. away from us during the holidays during birthdays during that baby being born you know yeah. during mom going to work and needing help with the baby or, you know, just his wife wanting to be held at the end of the day, you know, or mom wanting her sons to come home and say, Hey mom, I love you. You know, men are, are stuck in that cell, in that, in that unit, you know, on that prison ground and 65 days a year. I think that that's, I think that that's a really big um, component of it. People fail to realize a lot of times um, outside of some of the um, the socioeconomics, right? Like like people get put in situations that put them into incarceration because they've come from something broken. Right. They they've come from a place where you know they are, you know, being a man is you know I'm gonna beat everybody up in the neighborhood. Ain't nobody gonna f with me. You know what I mean? And that's not necessarily, you, you know, the misconception of what it means to actually be a man um, can sometimes put people in a situation. And this speaks to women who are incarcerated as well, because a lot of times we go through so much trauma. I mean, I, I think about some of my friends as some of their things play out, you know, now that you know I'm a little further along in life. And it's just like, Man, that thing really messed you up when you were eight years old. That thing really yeah. messed you up mm -hmm. when you were six and five. And 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 a lot of the, a lot of times you think about it. So like um, the healing component of it, you're you're coming from a broken place. 
you're getting put into a place that's even more broken probably than where you came from mm-hmm. um, for the most part for those people who are incarcerated then the people who love you and fight you whether or not fight for you whether or not you had toxic or healthy relationships they now have to deal with the new broken and a new normal that's not normal mm-hmm. and nobody ever says how are you doing right how mm-hmm. do you feel how do you feel? You know what I mean? And and then you get in prison and it becomes, you know, men especially are in prison, incarcerated, and it's not okay to be vulnerable. It's not okay to be like sad and crying and going through these emotions. You have to kind of uphold this certain level of masculinity. Um, exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. So you're you're stuck in the hyper hyper masculine environment. And then it's like, but you want somebody. And so you start engaging in relationships. And and so the biggest thing, and I say this to everybody, is that you got to be good with you before you can even incorporate somebody else into your life. Mm-hmm. And I think what I see on both hands when when relationships don't go well, and it's not just people who are incarcerated or um it's people out here in the real world. Mm-hmm. People want to have someone who looks to them, who needs them, who need doesn't always equal love. A person mm-hmm. can need you and know that you are good to them and for them and don't give a damn about you. Mm-hmm. But you're resourceful. You're going to, you know, you go hard. You know what I mean? You you do a lot for me or, you know, I receive a lot, you know, and I, I hear um, my girlfriend, she'll tell me whenever I get married, I, I got to be ready to bless somebody with all of this. You know what I mean? So she already knows she's a mofo. That's what I like to say. She already knows. But in the same token, she knows that she's going to be a blessing to somebody else's life. Like basically like you're not just going to come in. So you have to know your own worth before you get into any relationship. True. But the hard part is in prison is most in most scenarios, these men are already coming from broken places. But we're our innate nature is to be with one another. It's I mean, regardless of how broken I might be, I still want to be with a man. You know, I'm not going to change that, even though I might be broke down. And every couple of on the third day, I'm going through some type of emotional breakdown. The thing is, is that we have to get serious about ourselves and serious about rehabilitation. And for those who are incarcerated, serious about your redemption. If you got junk with you, as as you know, as the Lotus says, you know, work on your junk first. And you know, that's really what it comes down to because even though I feel like for myself. You know, there are opportunities where I feel like I'm in a relationship that is healthy and and prosperous and it helps me to grow. I didn't always live there. I done been through some some junk (laughs) level of love and respect. And, you know, to the place where I feel like I'm in a healthy relationship. And even though my husband is incarcerated, I don't feel as though um, it's a take take situation or. You know, a lot of times you see people, we've gone through so much trauma. We, you know, having someone who's incarcerated is like, well, they're they're always available to us for our needs. That's something we got to check within ourselves. You know what I'm saying? If you need somebody that's always needing you, then you got to work on something. Something is broken. And that's just, those are things that I had to figure out along the way. You know what I mean? Because life is not easy. 
But it's so much easier with someone who loves you. And sometimes when you don't really know what love is, you'll accept things that aren't love that just look like love. That's just like, a, you know, them selfies that don't, they yeah. look good. And if you see them, you be like, oh, damn. Did you see her without her shit on? You know, it goes bad. So it's just like, those are things. But I think, you know, even just from the standpoint of dealing with someone who's incarcerated and just kind of watching my husband move as a man, you know, he wanted change for himself. He wanted to fix his broken places. He wanted to be a good husband to someone before, you know, I was even a twinkle in the eye. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, you have to want this stuff for yourself. Right. You can't want it because that's what everybody else is doing. Mm -hmm. If I don't have a man, then people are going to be talking about me. Hell, I was single for a long time just doing what I do. People would say all kind of stuff. You know, I mean, does she even like me? You too strong for a man. You too, you this, you that, you whatever. You don't know what it is. I'm grown and I know who I am and I know my worth. And once, once people get to that place, you will attract somebody who understands yep. who you are and what you bring to the table. And not that, you know, nobody drinks the bottom of the, like the Coca-Cola bottle. You get the Coke, the little bottom piece. Who's drinking that? I'm not drinking it down to the last drop unless I get it all at one time. Right. You leave that and you just toss that to the side. So I always try to tell people, make sure that your cup is full before you try to bring somebody else into your life because otherwise you're feeding people the bottom of the gas tank and then people will be like well i see his potential he has a potential she has all this potential to be no nah, i don't fall in love with potential it must be all. i used to i used to fall in love with potential like fuck that yeah. i'm sorry y'all <laughs> <laughs> i'm yeah. all for it <laughs> so i just think that's you know that as far as relationships um go sorry guys it's okay. As far as far as relationships go and, you know, with people who are inside, that's a big thing, you know, but I think that above all else, the best thing we can do to help our loved one is to check in with them to see where they are mentally, because yeah. men have been carrying this facade that everything is okay. And really, they're just as broken as we are. It's just only acceptable for us to be running and crying and, and doing all the crazy stuff that we do. And, and then especially, get... especially in the brown and black communities, we have this this thought that it's not okay for our men to be quote unquote weak. It's not our men to it's not okay for our men to seek help and seek and say that you know what I'm depressed or something's not right right now. You know, like I feel sad or I feel like I'm having an emotional moment or I'm feeling weak. We have it in our in our in our brain somewhere that our men, our black and brown men, our men period are supposed to just be strong all the time. Well, no, that's not true. It's okay for our men to say, you know what? I need you right now, or I need help right now, or I need to talk to somebody. And right. it's important that we check on our men, we check on our brothers, we check on our friends. My best friend is incarcerated, been incarcerated for over 20 years of our friendship. And I check on him on a regular because I know that shit is not hard behind, it's not easy behind bars. And, and I know that he has his moments, you know? And he knows that at any moment, if he needs to talk, he can reach out. And everybody should have that in their lives. And unfortunately, not everyone has that, you know, in their life to, to yeah. do that, you know. And, and these men I need it, you know. They don't have counseling services behind the walls like they need it. You know, they don't get to talk to a, a therapist like they need to. They don't even, 
you know, have family and friends to talk to like they need to. And we need to remember that as we're addressing these men that are, and women, not to, I always say men, but women too, I, our I, sisters I, that are locked up yeah. too. Yeah, because we never, we forget about the women. Shout out to the women that's locked up behind yes. those walls. Yes. Yeah, and I, I think that, I think that just having a, a, a natural sense of accountability for ourselves. And like you said, okay, so we know that, we know that once people are incarcerated, they go through this phase, right? It's like you're you're not connected. The best thing I've seen is that um, you know when when your family still rallies around you, but there's so many people who have families that they can be incarcerated for 24 years and live right down the block, and they'll never come and visit their loved one, and so that that creates another thing, you know that a mental breakdown that takes place. And so my biggest thing uh, for me is just kind of like focusing on, you know, being a supportive and loving wife, of course, that's, that's my thing, right? I love it because my husband receives it. He appreciates it. I never have to be in a situation where I feel underappreciated. And I think that's the important thing for anybody. People want to be validated in the relationships that they do have. But also, you know, what we see in our country is that everything is so broken down to where you you're saying that prison is for rehabilitation to heal the things that you did. But there are no actions. You just got people locked up, you know, like wild ass animals. And then you expect them to come out and be redeemed and restored and ready to go into society. And that's when you know, and that's when the whole activist in me comes out because it's like, we have to start fighting for the expectation of, you know, what are you actually doing? Are you guys just responsible for reinfecting our communities with cancer? Um, Because y'all are over there collecting all these hundreds of thousands of dollars to keep people incarcerated um, and treat them like, you know, less than we would treat our own animals that, you know, get caged and things like that. So, um, that's kind of where I am with it. I just, you know, I'm I'm really big into restorative justice and the whole healing, um, you know, healing of the restorative justice because I think that people just don't they when they think about prison, they think about inmates, when they think about people who are incarcerated, it's like they're the scum of the earth. Mm-hmm. But scum of the earth, 95% of them are still being returned to society. So whether you like it or not. You know, how can we, um, through our platform, through our voices, through our work, start holding these states and and Department of Corrections and places accountable for actually offering rehabilitative services that help our loved ones to be prepared to go back out into society and deal with the traumas that they've had while they're in there and they got time to deal with them. Yeah. They get enough money to deal with them. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know. McKinney, if you have something to say, like something that you, even if something that you know that that happens in New York, that that helps to, you know, get the flow of healing going um, for, you know, yeah. people that you see, things that they do. Um, well, over here in New York, they have a cluster of different organizations that cater to different needs. Um, one of them, I'm going to speak specifically on Osborne Society. They are a program that helps build relationships with the parent that's incarcerated and their children. 
So, and, and they're also the ones that um, have the family restorative programs, FRPs, which is trailers visits where you get um, three days with no supervision or anything like that with your significant other and you just live a normal life. They just go out for the count to be accounted for and then you go back to experiencing that and it's good for the children because um, they get to interact with their parents on a level that they're not able to do so on a regular visit. That's amazing. So like, for example, right now with COVID, um, they have all these restrictions, even though we don't have those same restrictions out on the street, but in the prisons, they have more restrictions now. So um, they can't hold anybody. They can't touch, they can't hug, nothing. So unfortunately, my mm-hmm. husband wasn't able to actually hold his child yet. Mm-hmm. Like he held him for a second in, in the brief beginning and at the end. Um, and what Osborne Society does is gives them the ability to actually um, be a parent. So they, Christmas time, they give out gifts and things like that. And then you also have different programs like um, they have alternative to violence um, programs that they offer in some of these prisons, which is a requirement for some of the prisoners in order to actually get the FRPs so that they know, you know, so that they know that you're in a safe environment, kind of. So it's, it's a process and it's not a quick process. It's a very long process. They have to go through classes. Um, they have uh, Exodus is another organization that caters to rehabilitating them while they're in prison, um, giving them programs and things like that. And also another good thing that I've um, noticed which was actually really beneficial in our marriage was the university programs that they have, the accredited programs um, with different universities. Um, And being able to give somebody like a prisoner, I hate to call them inmates. I don't like that word because it's not personal. So that's why I'm like trying to find a different word. But anyways. Incarcerated um, incarcerated individuals. Incarcerated individuals. But um, those actually accredited courses give them some sort of normality while they're there. I have so a the question. Time being used wisely. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of this project called the Thrive Project? It's um, based out of New York, New York. The Thrive? And it's mm-hmm. called, yes. So me doing research on how healing... Um, play the role in um, prison reform, right? I ran across like two programs that's actually um, coming into the prisons with a healing program. Mm. Basically just dealing with healing. And one of those is um, the Thrive Project and is out of, based out of New York. So just to throw the information out there, I'm another um, another program uh, is in California. At, I think it's, I don't know how to pronounce the prison, the state prison, Calipari, maybe. They have a healing program. And that's great. That yeah. Because yeah, that's also another factor in relationship with somebody. Um, like yep. you have to look within yourself and start analyzing your own personal character traits and figure out who you are. Like one of the first books that me and my husband read together was called 
um, personality self-portrait. I forgot the author of it, but look it up. It is a great book. And it basically talks about- What was it um, called? Personality, personality self-portrait. Self basically, it analyzes different personalities and what the root of those things are. And then it also gives you a quiz so that you can test your own personality trait. And it tells you the difference between having a personality trait and having a personality disorder. And a lot of times when you're dealing with some of these prisoners um, and they're living in this hell, for lack of better words, where they're not being treated like animals, like you said, it's gonna trigger certain personality disorders. Um, if they don't understand how to center and balance themselves and understand how to meditate under those kind of circumstances. Um, because as a family member, I could sit here from this position and just see and get a visual of what he's dealing with on that side. And that's only a visual. And I know that that visual is 10 times worse than what it actually is. So I could be sitting here stressing out because of what I'm imagining him go through just from the little bit that we are actually exposed to. And I know that if it can throw my balance off and they get on the phones after dealing with whatever it is they got to deal with, because half the time they don't even tell us, right? They just get on the phone and act like, hey, what's up? Because they just mm -hmm. want to escape that place that they're in. And we are their outlet to do so. So if we're not balanced as individuals, and we know that, together as a union, we are a foundation, even as a, a mother and child, where we are a foundation together. We are, to, you know, I have to be centered with myself, put whatever nonsense is going on around here to decide for that brief second and put myself in a position where we are in alignment. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. That goes back it, to that. Yeah. Too. Yeah, it's a it's a give and take, and you have to be like that, and, and make those moments count because yeah. it's quick. And that is, you know, that that's that's an amazing thing about having somebody, right? Whether it's your mother, your sister, who's looking out for me or looking out for you, or you know, just like a cousin or uncle. There are a lot of people who you know just are incarcerated and they don't have a way to kind of get balanced and they don't have anything to balance off of. And that's, you know, something that uh, we talk about often because my husband is real big on the healing component. So we like recently, you know, he published a book, No More Victims. Um, and we started a nonprofit organization focused around the healing of restorative justices. So, I mean, this is, is not, it's not to say that, um, you know, if you're incarcerated, and, you know, your loved one is there and maybe I just don't have time, you know, maybe because that's mm -hmm. that's people's story. You know, they don't have time and everybody can't just talk on the phone um, who is behind the wall. They can't just call when it's convenient for people. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, how do you find find a way? And so, again, for me, it's just kind of like putting that responsibility back into these institutions and into these you know, places like yeah. if, if there's not something there, I, I you know, I, I have a good friend of mine. He's like, you mean to tell me Larry Hoover been locked up all this time and in 30 years we couldn't, you know, um, build a DA, you know, 
build somebody up to be a district attorney or, you know, whatever. And so mm -hmm. that's pretty much our motto. Like, basically, like, you know, go ahead and find a way to incorporate a program. And so, you know, trying to use his book to incorporate a program inside institutions so that those people who don't know how to come to terms with what they need mm -hmm. to do in order to get centered. Because right. it sounds all good and dandy, you know, especially coming from a woman, it sounds good, but you have to find a way to kind of put yourself in a position to actually be good, mm -hmm. to get there. And sometimes, you know, just like um, I might listen to you, but I might not want to hear from a man or a man might not want to hear from a woman or receive it the same way that they receive it, receive it from another man. And so, you know, I think it's really important that, you know, when you have people, that's great. But there are so many people who are incarcerated and they have no one, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. or they've been in prison so long, their whole family is dead. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and that's a reality for a lot of people. And so you just you kind of think about that and, you know, what you can do for your loved ones, like how how you can be a better person to them, for them, like to help them kind of get through that healing process. And um, because for a lot of people that are in prison, they're in prison because they did something. And so, you know, they have to heal beyond whatever their actions was. Everybody's not just in prison for, you know, wrongful convictions. Everybody's not just in prison for a little, uh, you know, a little bag of weed or whatever. Some mm -hmm. people have really taken some things to the extreme and either, you know, committed some heinous crimes and things that they need to actually heal from in order for them to move forward in life. And these are the type of things that need to be focused on, not just, you know, kind of like, okay, well, you take these classes, you go through this, you do this, you do that. And it's almost like um, being a victim of something. So let's just say, you know, um, there, there's something that occurred in your life and you strong, you know, when it happens, you kind of walk away, like, ain't nobody going to hurt me. Nobody's going to do this or that. Mm -hmm. But eventually, if that thing kind of reintroduces itself to you, even if it's 10, 20, 30 years from now, You're and right. it hasn't been healed, it's going right. to shake. It's going to come back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's going to shake you. Yeah. And so I, I agree a hundred percent. And they do need these courses um, they have to have something. The yeah. point is, they have to make the effort to want to change, like you exactly. said. Yeah. And we all know that there are limited ways for them to get certain information. They can't use the internet, so it's not that accessible. Um, right. So they have to get this information. They have to read. They have to read. Um, and they have to take that time to try and study themselves and, and figure it out because they don't have these programs in there that actually dig that deep. Like, I feel like if if somebody has done a real heinous crime, um, yeah, they got to be punished. But also, let's talk about the mental health for a second. Yeah, They need to be getting mm -hmm. some psychologists in there to actually fix that problem mm -hmm. or at least get it under control because it's not always a matter of I'm going to give this patient a, a pill and boom, we're going to fix the problem. And really what that's doing is putting them in a vegetative state. Yeah. Yeah. And not even fixing it. They need tools, tools that they can work yeah. with to cope. Yeah. And even, even what they say for people, exactly. who have, people who have committed violent offenses, 
there is for those people who do leave and are able to get out, um, there is a smaller amount of recidivism in those in that population of people is because a lot of people who do violent have have an issue with you know having had a violent crime they're not always violent people you know what i mean mm -hmm. like something happened to push a person over the edge or something happened to take them here or there but even once you do or commit a violent crime you're then kind of stuck with that is in your gut forever it's not mm -hmm. just like oh i got caught up with the most dope blah 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 it's like I impacted somebody's life. I impacted somebody's family, somebody's neighborhood, somebody's community. And you have to really carry that burden for the rest of your life. And so I think that um, just making sure that people find a way to, you know, whether it's our loved ones who are incarcerated, heal from the things that um, have brought them to a place of pain. And even for us being connected to people who are incarcerated, we got to take ownership because I know there are some family members who have brought a lot of harm to people. Um, and then you wonder why they're in this situation. Well, you help them get in this situation. Right. Now that they're here, you left them hanging, you know? So I think that it, and it's hard once you're incarcerated because it's like, well, you can't just tell your family, well, you did this or that or this to me. Um, and this is how come, you know, this is how come some things happened, but I think that it's important for everybody, um, just in everyday life and people, especially who are stuck in the system like this, to to face the truth and reality of what actually happened. Mm -hmm. How did we get here as a family? How do we get here as a person, as a mother, as a brother, as a sister, as a as a wife? You know, my husband has been incarcerated for 23 years. So his actions didn't necessarily have anything to do with me. You know, I knew him from when we were younger. Then I figured out that he was still incarcerated. And I'm like, whoa. So, you know, at what point does a person who has been incarcerated for such a long period of time, are they, you know, are they deserving of showing these are all the steps that I have taken towards my redemption. These are all the steps that I have taken towards my healing. This is who I am now. You know, and just like I said, people will be surprised if we define each and every one of us by the thing, our worst and biggest mistake. If yeah. I had to wear that every single day, that would be hard. Because I've mm -hmm. done some, a couple, two, three things that I'm not <laughs> proud of. You know, not so. me. I'm an angel. I'm an angel. So, you know, <laughs> Lotus, I had a question for you. How How have you healed with not one, but two of your sons? Inca uh, incarcerated like as a mother how how is it for you to, to see that see both of them behind the wall and then having to you know deal with that pain because I know I would it would be pain for me as a mother yeah well healing for me is not something that you know like it speaks I'm healed it's it's an ongoing journey it's going to be forever ongoing journey a lifetime journey but I can say that we are healing you know, through it, you know, and for me, it is kind of hard. Like, I want to touch bases on what Lulu said. Like, um, like for instance, my son, my youngest son, he's locked up because he had a car accident. It wasn't like he was out doing whatever. He had a car accident and his friend died. And that played a huge mental role uh, for my son. Because prior to that, my son wasn't smoking or whatever. It just, he just changed, right? 
and um i put them in therapy or whatever you know and to me it 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 it, it was hurtful because he was a first-time offender. He's never been in trouble, mm-hmm. never been a juvenile. And they sentenced him, you know what I'm saying, to to me, what I feel like excessive time for a first time with no prior record, right? And being on top of that, he it, it's a mental thing. He already dealing with the fact that he lost his friend. So mm-hmm. he, that's, that's going to impact him for the rest of his life, mm-hmm. you know? And then on top of that, getting what I feel, what we feel is excess of time for... um like he just had a record or he was drunk or something you know and that wasn't the case it's pretty rough but we healing through it because i have the tools you know i went through training you know and i help people to start their healing journey but i think that had i not been where i'm at today it might have been different for me but uh yeah i'm going through it gracefully (laughs) we're here for you you know that yeah we're here for you McKinney, what about you when when with the new baby? How how was that process for you with dad not there? You know, for the first moments or the middle of the night cries, you know. You know what? Because I'm still going through it and it's all still so new, I'm completely numb. I'm be honest with you. I'm in mom mode and overdrive mode for the fact that I am here alone with a child. And it is in a pandemic, so everything is unpredictable. And I'm I'm in numb mode. And to be honest, I've been in numb mode for years. And sometimes, you know, it, you got to go through different stages of your healing process. Yes. I don't think that there's ever honestly going to be a point where I'm going to just heal from this particular thing that happened, event that happened in my life and then that's it. You know, as long as he's still incarcerated, it's still going to affect both of us and and be a constant reminder of what should not have happened. So all I could do at this point is just deal with everything one day at a time, honestly, yeah, um, and try to keep my head on straight while doing it. Because you just... You know, and and on top of it, it's like you go through so many different things, like on top of what is happening, you got a loved one incarcerated. There's people dying out here, for real. Yeah. Family members are dropping. There's some real stuff going on. Life doesn't stop at all. So with families that are dealing with incarcerated people, it's like one tragedy on top of another because it's we're constantly in a grieving process, I feel. Because how can you honestly, truly heal from this situation when you're still dealing with it you know what i'm saying yeah it's in stages like i i meditate i read try to you know self-heal as much as i possibly can pay attention to my you know my moods and everything so i could kind of analyze things a little bit better to stay balanced but as far as healing goes i'm gonna be honest with you i don't see how that is completely possible right now especially <laughs> i'm being honest that's that's real honest. though that's real we can say that's, that all day long especially, girl. especially when you're dealing with folk in the justice system where they do not give a fuck about the people incarcerated whether you are convicted convicted of a crime or wrongfully convicted they do not let me say this 
They do not give a fuck about the people that's incarcerated. No. No. The whole finish because I literally sat and spoke with some of these officials. And they straight up lied in my face so that they can look good and, and, and present themselves as someone trying to save the community. Of yes. People that don't know any better. Hmm? <laughs> when you see stuff like that in the justice system, you don't got no faith in it. How could you have faith in it at all? Right. They don't care. They do not care. This is why I do what I do because they don't care. Yeah, you're right. You're yeah. right. And if honestly, and if I got to be dealing with my life the way that I got to deal with it on a daily basis, trying to really keep that shit balanced. And I'm sorry if, that I'm cussing, but I got to keep it all the way a stack with y'all. We're dealing with some real shit. They yeah. don't care. Oh. They don't care that your family is hurting. They don't care about the generational genocide that incarceration is. They don't care. They yeah. want to kill us off. <laughs> you see what they doing to y'all in the street, us in the streets? Yeah. And you it's, know what it's they just... doing to them in the prisons? 10 yeah. times worse. I was just going to say that they don't even know how to handle it out here with us. Uh, you know, I'm dealing with it personally still. And so I can only imagine what's going on behind those walls with the COVID, you know, I'm, we're, we're all hearing stories on a daily basis about it. And you can't stress it enough with McKean. You cannot stress it enough. They do not care at all about anything. And the, right. COVID is, the COVID is making it easier for them to not care exactly. at all. Yes, it's, because it's just, they're just locking them down like little wild yeah. animals. Keep them <laughs> yeah. in there, give them some kibble and send them on their way and then they wonder when things happen and people start rising up oh well you know that that's because they're god-awful people no that's because you're treating them like little squirrels what you think gonna happen yeah i mean i i completely agree with you and i think you know that's that's why you know you just want to make sure that we're doing what we can for our people you know those people that you know through our levels of activism or, you know, whatever it is that we're involved in, um, that we, you know, we're making impactful change because we just need to be the love that we needed from somebody, you know, in that same token. And so, you know, we can go on and on about how healing is necessary and needed, but it's a process that has to start with the system. When you acknowledge that the reason why you even have the prison industrial complex is because you abolished slavery. When people admit that to themselves, you'll understand that you have been, you know, taking us on this whole journey of prison slavery for years. Years and years and years. And the United States has figured out a way to continue to make money off of less fortunate people who tend to look like you and I. And so that's just the base and bottom line. And so we have to mm -hmm. start. And if y'all yeah. don't Go think ahead. for a second, sorry, because you mentioned um, them profiting off of the families of the incarcerated. The fact that y'all, yeah. we got this pandemic going on. Y'all shut the prisons down before the state shuts down. You know what that tells me? That tells me that the people that are have ca that have cashed in 
on these businesses with these prisons. I'm talking about the the technical um, emails that we be sending to them, the videos and stuff like mm -hmm. that. This is all, this is, it has nothing to do with morals or humanity. It has everything to do with private. Or rehabilitation. It has everything to do yeah. with money. How could we get these people to keep forking out money so that we can keep on eating fat off of the poor? Correct. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, if they haven't started already, they're going to start doing uh, video visitations and that will become the new norm. And they will charge you for these video visitations. They will mm -hmm. charge them for receiving the video visitations. And it's all going to come out of your pocket because they're doing it already. And, me, and meanwhile, um, as long as you know one of the good old boys, we can just get you pardoned and you don't serve any time for any crimes, even if you have committed crimes. And not even that. Let's talk about the homicidal genocide that has taken place over this past year. You know, all the people who have died who did not have to die all because this thing has been always about money. The United mm -hmm. States has really shown themselves if they haven't shown themselves before this year, they have shown everything is about money. And so for me, you know, I can't say that I was doing anything but living inside of the love bubble until pandemic hit. But when <laughs> pandemic hit and I thought something was going to happen to my man, I had to turn into Harriet Tubman. Yes. I had to figure out a way to connect with people, House representatives, state representatives, reaching out to congressmen, trying to get in touch with Van Jones, trying to get in touch with, you know, Common, trying to get in touch with people who are people who are empowered to make changes. Because as you see the pressure building, you know that it's time. It's time to make some change. It's time mm -hmm. to not only heal ourselves and heal the people who are incarcerated, but also to heal this whole damn system that's mm -hmm. broken, yeah. that's built on the backs of other people consistently. You can't tell me. So, I mean, you cannot tell me. And so that's why, you know, all I do is I sit over here and I do my part. And at the end of the day, you know, it can take, you know, it might take masses and it might take the four of us for somebody to actually hear with their ears and not to respond, to actually mm -hmm. see if you want to take it all the way back to the two months after they abolished slavery into the black codes, if you want to take it into how much money these phone companies are making or how much they're making mm -hmm. just to, um, you know, everything at the damn vending machine is $5. A pop yeah. pie, 60 yep. cents at the store is $5. $5. So my point to say everybody's got their hands in the pot. And as long as the victims of this look like you and I, it's not a problem because we came to this country without bags anyways. We don't know what it means to have something because we don't even know who the hell we are. And they sell it back to us $200 a pop on Ancestry DNA. Mm -hmm. So my point is saying is that healing is a is a huge component. And I, I thank everybody for being here with us. I know we're going over a little bit, but <laughs> we got to really get some people who are ready to do some work, boots on the ground. Let's fight for our loved ones. Let's stop talking about showing up to rallies. Let's stop talking about showing up to be a part of something. Take the damn day off. I know ain't none of y'all used your vacation this year anyways, because we, <laughs> we can't even go outside. So right. my thing is stop talking about it, be about it, and let's force them to heal this big, ugly, pink, 
blister that's just sitting in the middle of our foreheads because there's no way that you see people getting the time that they get in our communities. And it, it's, you know, in, in other communities, it's like, well, he has a lot going for himself. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's never been in, you know, he's never had an offense and we want to give him a chance to at least have a life. But for us and our men and our people and people who look like us, and this is just based on facts. I ain't saying white folks ain't locked up based on facts. Mm-hmm. It's locked them up and throw away the key. And we need to fix and heal that system together right. it ain't gonna work with just me and it's so, not just uh, right. it's not just us on the outside we have to also encourage you know those on the inside to support you know like yeah. for example the free alabama movement they do you know boycotts you know those on the inside have to support the boycotts on the inside as well you know mm-hmm. for example and you know i just want to throw something out there real quick i had somebody reach out to today for some that we talk about the brothers all the time but there are some women's in california right now and the California State Prison. And if you go to my Facebook page, oh shit, my water just fell over me. But if you go to my Facebook page, Amira Rose, I have a phone number for the prison. They are right now living seven in a cell, not getting the COVID cleaning products they need, not giving healthcare. Please call, let's do a phone zap. Let's call and blow up that that damn phone, that damn prison, that phone line. Let's call for those women that are in there suffering. What's the number? Because we need to support everybody, not just the guys, but the women too. I just want to yeah, throw so that out there real quick. We can, but, we can post the information on our page. Yeah, um, we'll post so it on our page as well. And if y'all can go out there and Black Friday shop, take the risk, the COVID risk to Black Friday shop, y'all can go support a boycott. If y'all can go and make a phone call for whatever, you can make a phone call to your your local government officials, you know, y'all need to start supporting everything, not just, you know, this and that, or, you know, yeah, you know, like a Facebook comment or something like that. Come with it. Come with it this year. Mm -hmm. It's it's, it's time for change. Absolutely. So um, I just wanted to um, say about the different events that are taking place this week. Of course, um, there tomorrow they will be holding a vigil for those who are lost or lost in the parchment uprising for the one year anniversary that information can be found on our page as well as the plus party the positive leaders united in solidarity um, on wednesday you will be able to access straight out of parchment and Thursday live from the plantation with the Free Alabama Movement. And so this is an opportunity for people to find out what's going on, find out who's who and what people are trying to do to bring about some change. But we thank y'all for being here. We thank y'all for y'all extra 10 minutes. We appreciate y'all time. And we and hope- Brother Kent and Sister Michelle, we are thinking about you always and especially during this time of loss and remembrance. Yes. All right. Y'all have a great night. Stay blessed, y'all.